Welcome to Torah Imecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Sarah Shafrin, and today we will be studying Sefer Nachum, Perek Gimel. This Perek brings us back to the connection of Yonah. Why did Hashem save Nineveh in the time of Yonah so many years ago? Hashem was slow to anger with regard to the Avodah Zarah that Nineveh performed, but Hashem wanted them to do tshuva for the violence they were causing to each other. They did tshuva for that, but did not ever come to the place of acknowledging God's power in the world. Before we begin the text, I want to reflect upon Nachum's poetic use of language. Is this language Nachum's choice, or did Hashem guide him to use techniques like rhyme, alliteration, and onomatopoeia to the point that he even invents words that are unique to Tanakh? Why is Nachum's nevuah expressed in this way? One of the reasons historians have such expansive records of Ashur, also known as Assyria, is that Ashur left behind many cuneiforms with records of their civilization. While they are mainly remembered in history books for their treacherous and spectacularly cruel army, they are also known for their trade as well as their literacy. Ashur Bonapal, it turns out, was known to have one of the most impressive libraries in the ancient world. It follows then that if Nahum's Nevuah was indeed a book that was sent to Ashur, it would be written in a style that Ashur would receive. The poetic use of language by Nahum was meant to enter the hearts of the people of Ashur and the Jewish people as well. He uses aesthetic language to draw in his listeners, which is an interesting tactic to inspire them to hear his message. Let's look at the text. Pasuk Aleph. Hoi ir damim, kula kachash, perek melea lo yamish taref. Hoi, city of crime, utterly treacherous, full of violence, where killing never stops. Kula kachash, this phrase means totally in denial. It is referring to Ashur as they were in denial of God's existence. Sanchirev's fight with Bnei Yisrael, remember, was not only against us as the people, but against Hashem as well. We have already learned about the first wave of punishment to Ashur when Sanchirev's army was destroyed outside of Yerushalayim during the time of Chizkiyahu. Then we learned about the second wave of punishment, which took place during Nahum's time, where the Rebbe Dekel overflowed and the king burned his wife and children. Now we will hear from Nachum about the third wave of punishment, which will take place after the time of Nachum in the time of Yoshiyahu, when Usher will be completely conquered and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Pavel. Listen for the onomatopoeia on Pasuk Beis. The sounds of the Pasuk match the meaning of the Pasuk. Kol shot v'kol ra'ash ofen v'sus doher hu merkava merakeda. Crack of the whip and rattle of the wheel, galloping steed and bounding chariot. Charging horsemen, flashing swords and glittering spears, hosts of slain and heaps of corpses, dead bodies without number, they stumble over bodies. A rider goes up on the rise, his sword shone like a flame and his spear moved as fast as lightning. And there are so many dead bodies around that they are tripping on them. In Ninveh, if someone got in your way, you pulled out your sword and killed them and left them on the road. This is an emotional description which details how and why Hashem judged and punished Ninveh. The Pasuk Dalid, Meirov's Nunei Zona, Tovas Chain Ba'alas Kshafim, Hamocheres Goyim Biznuneha, Umishpachos Bechshafeha. Because of the countless harlotries of the harlot, 
the winsome mistress of sorcery, who ensnared nations with her harlotries and peoples with her sorcery. Pasuk Dalet brings up the topic of Znus. We have seen Bnei Yisrael compared to Azona, but in this case, it is Ashur being compared to Azona. Ashur was known to be unfaithful in their agreements with other countries. They would first entice a country by promising a hand of friendship, and then once they conquered that city, they did not keep their end of the agreement. When Chizkiyahu heard that the king Sargun, who was the king before Sanchirev, had exiled the last of the ten tribes in the northern part of Israel, and that he himself was facing his armies toward the southern kingdom, he thought Ashur just wanted to expand their territory, so Chizkiyahu sent a huge bribe to Sargun. Sargun said, yeah, 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 we are friends now, but I would just like to conquer Lachish and a few other cities, and then we will indeed march toward Yerushalayim. When Sanchirev was outside of Yerushalayim, he sent Rav Shakai to, to stand on a rise outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Rav Shakai announced, Make peace with us. Don't trust your king, Chizkiyahu. Just surrender and trust us and we will bring you somewhere nice. This is showing the seductive side of Ashur, which is why Ashur is compared to Azona here by Nachum. You were so charming in your seduction of other nations. You were able to use your witchcraft to win over all the other nations. You won over hordes of families with your seduction. Nachum has described arrogance, constant fighting in the streets, and untrustworthiness. Pasuk hey, Hineni elayich neum Hashem tzvakos, v'gilesi shulayich al panayich, v'haresi goyim mareich, humamlachos kloneich. I am on to you, declares Hashem, the Lord of hosts. We heard that in the last parak also. I will lift up your skirts over your face and display your nakedness to the nations and your shame to the kingdoms. And since you are acting like a zona, Hashem says, I will treat you like a zona. I will reveal your nakedness to the world. I will reveal you for the perfidious and deceitful nation that you are. Pasuk Zion. V'haya chol ro'ayich yidod mimech v'amar shdod all who see you will recoil from you and will say, Ninveh has been ravaged. Who will console her? Where shall I look for anyone to comfort you? All the nations of the world will see and say, Ninveh has been attacked. Ninveh has been destroyed. But who will have compassion and try to come and help Ninveh? Nobody. When Nebuchadnezzar took over and controlled Ashur, Nobody came to help them. Pasakhas Hasetvi Minoamon Hayoshvabya Orim Maim Savivla Asherhel Yom Miyam Homasa Were you any better than Noamon, which sat by the Nile, surrounded by water, its rampart a river, its wall consisting of the sea? Do you, Asher, think that you are any better than Noamon? Asher had captured Noamon which sat on the banks of the Nile, known as Hayeor, the Yeor. You would have thought that Noamon would be very powerful. Noamon did not even have walls. They thought that their protection came from the waters around them and from the powerful connections that they had with the countries around them. But when Ashur came and attacked, no one helped them. No one helped Noamon. Does Ashur think that they are any better? You will become invisible, Ashur, just like Noamon did. Draw water before the siege. Strengthen your forts. Tread the clay. Trample the mud. Grasp the brick mold. 
You might have some loose stones in the walls that are surrounding your cities. Get your tools that makes the bricks repair your walls. However, Pasuk Tesvav, Sham Tochlech Eish, Tachrisech Cherev, Tochlech Kayalek. Tongue twisters here. Tongue twisters. He's Kabed Kayalek. He's Kabdi Kaarbe. There, the fire will devour you. The sword will put an end to you. It will devour you like the grub. Multiply like grubs. Multiply like locusts. In the very place where you are holding on to those bricks, you're going to think that you can make your forts stronger. A fire will come and consume you. The sword will consume you as if you're some kind of locust. You will be easily crushed like a bug. You will be cleaned up, completely crushed, wiped out. Arba is the type of bug that begins in a cocoon. And as it leaves the cocoon, it develops muscles and wings to fly. The Mabam says, you, Asher, you'll be struggling against your destruction. You'll keep trying to save yourselves to try to fly away, but it will not work. All of the people who are not from Ashur and were just there doing business, they will be able to fly away when the attacks against you begin. Pasag Yedzayin, Minizarayich ka'arbe, v'tafsarayich kegov govai, hachonim bagdiros, biyom kara shemesh zarcha, v'nodad your guards are like locusts, your marshals like piles of hoppers, which settle on the stone fences on a chilly day. When the sun comes out, they fly away, and where they are, nobody knows. Your leaders will be in hiding, like bugs in the wall, who wait for the sun to come out. They will hide in their palaces, and once the sun comes out, meaning once it's easier for them to get away, they will try to escape. Some of the language Nachum uses, especially earlier in the Perek, reminds us of language used by other Nevi'im. Yechezkel calls Yerushalayim Yerdamim. And in our Perek, Nachum calls Ninveh Yerdamim. Hosea compared Yerushalayim to a Zona who turned towards other gods. And here Nachum compares Ashur to a Zona who is treacherous to other nations. What can we learn from Nachum's use of this painfully familiar language? Nachum is hinting to the Jewish people, to Malchus Yehuda that they will not be spared for their own sins. When the Jewish people hear these phrases, ir damim and znus, it is meant to remind them of past musr that they have heard from other Nevi'im about their own behavior. But let us turn our attention back to Nahum's primary message, that of the destruction of Ashur. We know that the empire of Ashur was indeed destroyed in 612 BCE. However, the area of Iraq, which was ancient Ashur, continues to have violence, exploitation, and the murder of innocent people. Historians of ancient civilizations echo the words of Nachum about the army of Ashur. A historian named Kriwazek writes, Assyria must surely have among the worst press notices in any state in history. Babylon may be a byname for corruption, decadence, and sin, but the Assyrians and their famous rulers with terrifying names like Shalmanezer, Tiglath-Pilezer, Sanherev, Hisarchadan, and Ashurbanipal rate in the popular imagination just below Adolf Hitler and Genghis Khan for cruelty, violence, and sheer murderous savagery. As recently as 2003, Iraqis waved flags in celebration of the capture of Saddam Hussein. If you listened to these psukim and you felt even an iota of empathy when you read about Ashur, think about that image of Saddam Hussein. The U.S. attempted to establish democracy in Iraq, but they were unsuccessful. What is the message for us today? Although world history is filled with violence, exploitation, and destruction, we turn our hearts and minds to the ultimate power, 
to that of Hashem. Hashem's divine attributes that we heard about it all the way in Perak Aleph determine the fate of nations and civilizations. Empires rise and fall, leaving a stone trail of their lost achievements in the ruins of their once fortified cities. Nahum's prophecy is a consolation for those who continue to strengthen their faith in Hashem, even when ridiculed and oppressed by the nations around them. Nahum's prophecy shows that no matter what, Hashem will always have the last say. National stability is not secured by any of the things that Ashur displayed. Strong national defenses, both man-made and natural. Influential foreign alliances and trade connections. Vast wealth or fierce military prowess and success. Real success is based on righteousness and on faith in Hashem. The juxtaposition of Yonah and Nachum is highlighted by their endings. Each sefer ends with a rhetorical question. In Sefer Yonah Perak Dalet, Pesukim Yod and Yod Aleph, Yonah enjoyed, he had just enjoyed the shade of the Kikayon, but when it withered, Yonah said he wanted to die of despair over losing it. Vayomer Hashem, Ata chasta al ha-Kikayon, asher lo amaltabo, velo gidalto, shebin laylo haya, ubin laylo avad. Hashem said, and it's a little poetic here also, you cared about this plant, which you did not work for, and you did not grow, which appeared overnight and perished overnight? And should I, Hashem, not care about Ninveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not yet know their right from their left and many beasts as well? Infants and beasts are not held responsible for their actions. That's why he refers to them as beasts. Nachum seems to answer the question from the end of Yonah. The dialogue between these two Nevi'im shows us that even if Nachum's prophecy seems harsh, one realizes that Yonah really had given them the chance to do real tshuva. Psukim Yudches and Yudtes of our Perak, Perak Gimel and Sefer Nachum, say, Namu ro'echa melech ashur, yishkenu adirecha, nafshu amecha al heharim ve'ein mekabitz. Your shepherds are slumbering, O king of Assyria. Your sheepmasters are lying inert, her people are scattered over the hills, and there is none to gather them. Last pasuk, Ein keha lishvarecha, nachla makasecha, kol shomei shimecha taku'u chaf alecha, ki almi lo avra ra'ascha tamid. There is no healing for your injury. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you, clap their hands over you. For who has not suffered from your constant malice? The closing of our parak is like a dirge. The rulers, the shepherds, the leaders are falling asleep. It's as though your nation is on holiday. None of the leaders can be gathered. They do not have advice. They are not helpful. They are just scattering. No one will mourn you. No one will be sad or feel bad when you are destroyed. Who among the nations did not feel your evil? No one will be sad when you face the fate that you yourself caused to those around you. The only portion of Sefer Nachum that is directed up in Israel was back in Parak Bays when Nachum told them that they can bring their korbanos for the holidays again in the Beis HaMikdash. Why is this Nebuah even included in Tanakh? B'nai Yisrael did have a connection with the nations around them. All of ancient Middle Eastern history had played out around Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is the belly button of the universe, the center. Hashem created the entire world and has a relationship with all of the nations. We should learn about the nations of the world because it relates to us and because we have an obligation to learn about the ways of Hashem. Why did Asher deserve a warning? Nachum is warning them, but he's really telling us. He's saying, 
prepare yourselves, but it's not going to help because you did not keep the promises you made at the time of Yonah. Now you will be destroyed. An article featured in Smithsonian Magazine in January of 2022 discusses the archaeological site of ancient Ashur. In the article, Iraqi archaeologists take the author through the site. There are some rocks with cuneiform. There are some arches from what they think was a path to a temple. There is a base of what they think was a palace. The archaeologists discuss their fears that the ancient ruins face the danger of permanent destruction. Khalil, here's a quote from the article. Khalil Kalaf al-Jabori, head of archaeology at Tikrit University, estimates that more than 200 archaeological sites near Sharkat are at risk of flooding. Assyrian sites constructed primarily of mud would be lost forever. The government is not listening, al-Jabori told me, not to the academics or geologists or anyone, end quote. The land, the earth, and its inhabitants don't listen to anyone. It's true. They listen to Hashem. Thank you for studying together. Li'iloi Nishmas, Riva Bat Alexander Sender.